0: In my fifth grade religion class that I teach at St. James School, the highlight of my week, we talk about the world's faith traditions, and last week's focus was Christianity. One student said, My mom believes in Christianity, but my dad and I aren't so sure. For one thing, she said, In the Bible, God always seems angry. And also, don't people fight wars in the name of religion? You know, in that moment, I desperately wanted to tell her that it wasn't like that at all. I wanted to say, no, 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 God is a God of pure love. And yet, God does seem to overflow with anger sometimes in book after book, especially of the Hebrew Bible. And even though I want to, I can't make that image of a sometimes angry and violent God just disappear. Back in class, the boy in front of her leaned back and said, God doesn't start wars, human beings start wars. It's not God's fault that we kill each other. And I recognize that argument. I've made it too, usually on long flights. I'll end up seated next to a person who discovers that I'm a priest and launches the same challenge. No religion, no wars, so no religion for me. And you know, I've wondered myself why scripture contains so much violent imagery. I mean, we know the core story that God lovingly created humans and craved a deep relationship with us and expressed it in in a series of covenants, of deals that he made that god made with humans i will be your god and you will be my people only to see us time and again wander far away and break our end of the covenant but i also suspect that ancient people heard and experienced god as angry as punishing them for their mistakes because anger and violence and suffering was already such a part of their daily existence. How could they understand God beyond their reality that they knew? So for them suffering was real and they saw it as evidence of God's disfavor. Crop failure, divine judgment. Assyrians invading, God's will. Jerusalem demolished, God hitting the reset button on faith. All of these cataclysms I think they experienced them as messages from God. This is how it felt to them. God hates us for our wrongdoing. And so in the chapters in Zephaniah leading up to the passage that you just heard read by George this morning we hear about a God who's furious and fed up, a God ready, in fact, to sweep away creation itself. That's humans and animals and birds and fish. Sweep them from the earth. In Zephaniah's prophecy, God is angry with the holy city of Jerusalem and angry at all the people of the land and angry at the people of all the nations because God feels that in their restlessness, they have started to follow other gods, idols, instead of God alone. And in Zephaniah, God is also angry about injustice, too, about how the poor and the vulnerable are pushed aside. So in these early chapters of Zephaniah that you didn't hear this morning, we hear the ultimate threat, the day of the Lord, a day when all the wrongdoers will be swept away. Now, to me, all of this talk of world-ending anger from 2,600 years ago sounds like pretty terrible news since we are also wrongdoers. We all do wrong. We remember God, then we forget God. And then, absorbed by the surrounding culture, we chase other beliefs. We treat others well until we don't. Individually and as a people, we get it wrong as often as we get it right. And so, like our ancient counterparts, we worry, too, about God's anger. You've heard this and maybe felt it yourself. Something devastating happens and you say, God must hate me or what did I do to make God this angry you maybe you've heard someone say that but I wonder if maybe ancient people and maybe we too project this anger on God as a way of expressing anger and disappointment in ourselves for losing our way or or because of our own despair over events beyond our control, tragedies, as a way of answering why. You know, my niece Beverly, she's 25, and in between acting auditions, she babysits the sweetest two-year-old boy named Cameron. And this little boy does not want to get it wrong, anything wrong, ever. And last week, though, working on a craft project involving a large pot of ink, you know where I'm going with this, when you know the entire thing exploded in a fountain of ink, ink on the furniture, ink on the floor, ink on Cameron, and ink coating <laughs> Beverly urgently cameron asked beverly are you happy not like that he said beverly are you happy and she said nobody not at the moment and then he asked if we clean it up then are you going to be happy she said he was so concerned and we are very concerned too we know that we must grieve god with some of our choices we know that we spill a lot of ink wandering far away personally and collectively as a society we know we fall short in so many ways failing to care enough for our unhoused neighbors failing to protect the environment the list is endless And we disappoint ourselves. Each of us carries around a kind of disappointment in some of our own actions and choices that haunts us. Yet, like Cameron, in spite of everything, we want God to be happy, happy with us. Like Cameron, we say, God, are you happy? (laughs) Because even though we worry about our mistakes, We crave God's love. We crave for God to see us, know us, accept us in spite of our failings. We crave that feeling of being embraced for our deepest, truest selves. The you, the me that God created us to be, that feeling nothing better which brings us to today's passage at the end of the book of of zephaniah a full-throated love song from god to god's people such good news a song of joy as god forgives jerusalem in spite of everything forgives us in spite of everything love renewed and this is after all rose sunday joy sunday rejoice sunday it's sometimes called symbolized by the rose color that you see us wearing it's a little oasis of joy in the midst of the serious soul searching of advent a perfect day for this passage from zephaniah and how the light of god shines in this very very poetic passage that you heard george read we hear the lord has taken away judgments against you the lord your god is in your midst not far away right here he will rejoice over you with gladness he will renew you with his love and My very favorite. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I love that idea of God singing very loudly over us. Imagine that. Imagine that kind of attention. And then Zephaniah, shifting to the first person, offers his idea of God in God's own words. I will remove disaster from you. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. And to top it all off, I will bring you home. Home, a magical word for an ancient people, spiritually lost and so often geopolitically displaced. And for them and for us, magical too because i hear in this passage god in our midst like a shepherd leading us home and to me it doesn't just mean the the home where we came from you can't go back again right home instead here to me means being brought home to a deeper inner reality a deeper relationship with god bringing us home so that we can feel loved and lovable in the home of our own souls souls after all created by god so bringing us home to ourselves back to my religion class for a minute this past week we talked about how some version of the golden rule turns up in every major faith tradition that idea of do unto others as you would have them do unto you of love your neighbor as yourself and in the final chapter of zephaniah we're being called to love ourselves because we're beloved children of god It's a call to us to grasp our own belovedness in this way. Thanks to God's outpouring of love, God's love song to us. It's helping us to love ourselves, and we know that's sometimes hard. But only by loving ourselves can we hope to love others well and live into the golden rule, that beautiful rule that that people across the earth have simultaneously understood as a central truth, and the loving kindness that comes from this is nothing less than a revolutionary antidote to to violence in the world, a way to bend history in a better direction. By letting God reach us and move us and redirect us in this way, in this self-loving way, diminishes our need to see God as an angry parent. Yes, yes, God remains mysterious and multifaceted, containing multitudes, including anger, yet what we crave is a life burrowed into God's love embedded in God's love and fueled by God's love. So as we leave Zephaniah today, one more thought, and this is his name. Zephaniah And Hebrew has a number of different meanings, and my favorite one is that the name means treasured by God. We are reminded of this today, that we are treasured by God, we are gathered up and welcomed home, lovable in the deepest home of our own souls, the place from which loving-kindness towards others and ourselves can flow. Gaudete. Amen.